This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner, a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. so much of what I love to chat with people about is getting sensory started no matter where you are, uh, no matter how few resources you have to get it going, um, just to not make excuses and just start where you are. I was so excited to do this podcast because I love sensory and I love the craft brewing community. So, you know, I always want to help wherever I can. So when I was preparing for the interview, I listened to the Draft Lab interview with Lindsay Barr. And of course it was amazing. And I was just like, oh no, I should cancel this. They already have a great sensory interview. The breweries I work with have fewer resources than New Belgium. And then it suddenly hit me that I was doing the exact same thing that I spend all my time telling people not to do. This week on the show, no more excuses. Start your brewery sensory program right now. My name is Liz Pratt and I'm a sensory specialist. I work with small breweries to help them get their sensory programs up and running when they don't have a strong program already in place. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. How has that aphorism been relevant to your sensory journey? So one thing that I chat with a lot of brewers about when we're talking about starting sensory from a place where maybe we don't have a lot of resources, maybe we don't have a lot of cash or time that we can invest in a program, is that you really need to be able to start where you are. Um, So what that means is that when you don't have a dedicated staff member or a budget or a lab, it's important to not let that get in your way. So when you're sick, you're always told not to look it up on WebMD, right? (laughs) Right. So. (laughs) But you do anyway. But you do, you always do anyway. So if I, if I log online and I look up sensory analysis for breweries, What I'll end up with is this amazing wealth of information and all these wonderful resources that are available and these fantastic ASBC 
papers and, you know, all of these wonderful detailed descriptions of how a brewery should ideally do sensory. And that can end up doing to a person who doesn't have a lot of time to invest in a program, kind of the same thing it does when you go on WebMD, you say you have a headache, and it tells you you're dying. You get you get this frustration where, okay, I have to sit down and I have to read this paper and then I realize I don't have all these tools and I actually don't even have a formal lab. So I guess I need to build out my lab, but I don't really have the scientific background for that. So I guess I need to hire a lab person. And next thing you know, you're just not starting a sensory program at all. Right, right. And so being able to start with what you have, even if it's not a wonderful lab with its own isolated HVAC system and the little cubbies for each panelist, just getting started means that you will be able to set the cultural groundwork that you need so that when you do have more resources, everyone is already in the mindset of being dedicated and paying attention and really digging into sensory when you put that sample in front of them. You've said that sensory programs are no longer an option for small breweries. Talk about that. There was a time when the American craft beer market was growing 18% year over year. And that just isn't the case anymore. We're all thrilled that there are more and more small breweries opening up down the street from us, but that means greater competition. And although we want everyone to succeed, it also means that the fact that your brewery is local and your brewery is down the street is no longer enough to keep people coming into your brewery all the time if you're serving them old beer or if there's some kind of off flavor that people can pick up on, even if they don't know what it is, even if they can't describe the thing that they don't like about the beer. If you lose the trust of your customers, they have more options now than they've ever had before. So given that you can actually start your sensory program now, with very limited resources, you really can't afford to miss that opportunity. There's so much that you will get out of a strong sensory program, and there is so much at risk. You've said that you need a team to create a successful sensory program, but it can be destroyed by just one person. I suppose that's true for a lot of things. How do you prevent that from happening? One thing that I really loved and valued about working with Rising Tide Brewing Company when I was working in Maine was that we did sensory twice a week and our owner was there every single time. Him taking it seriously really set the tone for everyone else on the team. When you're working in a small craft brewery, you might have 10 problems going on at once. One of your vendors is giving you trouble and there are five sparrows flying in the door and three people are emailing you because they want to have weddings in your production space and you have no idea where your lid shipment is. There's so much going on that it can become really easy for your team members 
to be in that mindset of getting everything done as quickly as possible. We are multitasking. We are just working as efficiently as we possibly can. And a lot of what we do in sensory pushes against that. When I have someone come to sensory, I want them to be focused. They shouldn't be thinking about anything else. They shouldn't be looking at anything else, doing anything else. No coffee, no cell phones, no rush. Just taking a deep breath and evaluating the sample or samples in front of them. If they see one person, especially if that person is a manager, not taking sensory seriously, then they won't want to take it seriously either because they want to make their manager happy. And so if their manager is just chugging a sample, checking a box and running back into the production space, they're going to want to do the same thing. The presentation you gave at the Master Brewers Brewing and Malting Science course had a photo of a sensory lab on a shelf. Talk about what someone doing this for the first time needs on their shelf. I always laugh when I tell people about what I call my DIY sensory lab um, because it would be really great if you had a lab with different cubbies for each individual person and dedicated HVAC and the set of 50 different off flavors. Uh, That would be super great, right? But we don't all have those resources. Uh, And so what I love to tell people is that you can build your DIY sensory lab on a shelf. And all you really need to start out at the most basic level is a printer, paper, and pens so people have something to write on, glasses and caps. If you don't have glasses or caps, you're probably in trouble. Beer or ingredients and a couple of hours a week. Uh, What I usually suggest for folks is for data collection. We all want to be doing digital data collection, but sometimes in a busy work environment, we don't have time to enter all the data right when we've performed our sensory session. So I really recommend a giant three-ring binder that you can keep on your sensory shelf. And every time you finish a sensory session, write you know, what the exercise was, write the date, make sure all the papers have everyone's name on it, stick it in your binder. Hopefully you can get to it in a couple hours or tomorrow. But if you get a backlog, everything will be organized in a way that can be understood later. I also tell people there are lots of do-it-yourself tricks that you can use in order to train folks on the off flavors and spikes and flavor standards that you want people to be on top of. So if you have a particular off flavor that you're especially concerned about, like diacetyl or acetaldehyde, by all means, budget carefully for the spikes that are of most interest to you. But you can also use simple grocery store items 
like caffeine pills, baking soda, and white vinegar for your different spikes. Of course, you would love to build it out further, and you absolutely can. But it's all about not making excuses. Start it now. If in six months, you have the time and the money and the manpower to get that program built up a little bit more, by all means, do it. But if for now, you want to get someone started on diacetyl, maybe it's worth just sending someone to the grocery store, go to the baking section, get the bottle of the McCormick butter flavoring, and use that. It's not lab perfect, but it's $2 and you can get it with 24 hours notice, which is a pretty big deal for a lot of us at the smaller breweries out there. Uh, one spike that I love using for acetic acid is just white vinegar. That's the same chemical compound. Uh, citric acid, you can find in the baking section. People use it for canning all the time. For mineral hardness with water, I like to mix a little bit of baking soda into our normal brewing water, have people taste that, and say, how does this water taste to you? Does it taste like our normal brewing water? Or do we need to do some work here? Do we need to investigate this? All right, so I've got my DIY sensory lab on a shelf ready to roll. What's next? Once you have all your materials collected, you have your paper, you have your printer, you have your samples. Uh, before you start printing out forms and deciding when you want to do triangle tests and when you want to do identification of characteristics, it's really important to sit down with trusted folks on your team and have a discussion about what is most important and what you're really trying to get out of a sensory program. You, by all means, could be saying, I want to make sure my staff can identify these 15 spikes, but dig into why that is. Is there a problem that you're trying to solve? Is there an issue that you'd like to prevent? Are you looking to change recipes and promote innovation on the brew house? Figure out what your goals are, and that will help shape what your data collection looks like. So I like to do forms for brand introduction or measuring batch-to-batch -batch variation where I ask for a really in-depth profile. Tell me all about the aroma. Tell me all about the aftertaste after a couple of minutes. You know, really dig deep. But there are other times when I just want to test people on yes or no. Because one of my goals is that I want to be able to trust the packaging team to say go or no go. So before... Teams get really excited about all the different kinds of tests you can do. And there are many. And they're all super fun to me, the sensory person. But um, figure out what your goals are and what you're really trying to do. This is what you would do in any other department. So you should apply it here. Apply it to this project. 
if you just start running out the gate and you've got a million great ideas because you read about them on the internet and you just want to get going, maybe you'll have some fun, but you're not going to reach your goals unless you set good goals. So take a deep breath and, and figure out, okay, my first goal is that I want to make sure all of my staff can identify our core brands, whether or not they're true to brand. Then talk about your number two goal. My number two goal might be, I want to make sure that my sales staff can grab a sample can out of any palette and taste it and know whether or not it's too old without looking at the date on the bottom of the can. Awesome. That gives you a place to start and you can start alternating between different forms and different ways of running your sensory session. And that will also help keep people engaged and keep people interested when they're coming into the room, you know, twice a week, three times a week. It's so much more fun if they're not 100% sure what they're going to get. Give people samples of beer from other breweries. Give people cider. Give people anything. I once poured samples of old oxidized Budweiser just to see see what we could get out of it. And having that kind of mixing up of how you're practicing and how you're running sensory will keep things more fun and keep people more engaged with the work. Coming up. And then when you're using the human instrument as your tool, you run into an issue where you have to figure out how to calibrate that tool. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Support for this podcast is brought to you by ABS Commercial is a full-service brewery and parts outfitter. From our Raleigh headquarters to our Denver office, we proudly offer brew houses and fermenters from three barrels and up, yeast brinks, boilers, kegs, chillers, tri-clamp, and other stainless parts, all with the quickest delivery and lead times in the industry. Learn more at abs-commercial.com or call 877-BREW-ABS. ABS Commercial. We are brewers. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. Is PCR right for your brewery QC program? Check out the Master Brewers webinar January 24th. The District Ontario Annual Conference is January 31st and February 1st. District St. Louis meets February 21st at Third Wheel Brewing. And the 2019 California Joint Technical Conference is February 28th and March 1st in Paso Robles. It's not too early to start making plans for the 2019 Master Brewers Conference. If you can only make it to one conference in 2019, this should be it. We're really mixing it up this time and heading to the Calgary Convention Center to see how Alberta celebrates Halloween. Will there be a costume party? 
only Tressa knows. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. back to the show. Most craft brewers setting up a sensory program for the first time probably aren't going to have the optimal space for it. How can they make the most out of what they have? You can absolutely use the space that you have as long as you optimize it to be as quiet and free of distraction as possible. So this comes back to not making excuses, staying on top of it and getting the job done. If you are working at a small craft brewery, you have those skills, you have the hustle. Don't tell me that you don't. You know, use what you have. Uh I worked at one brewery where we just used the bar and we made sure to do sensory before the tap room opened for the day. It's not perfect, but it's better than no sensory at all. So just making sure that there's no music, people aren't talking or eating, uh, no outside drink is a huge one. I like to have people do sensory in the morning uh, when they're awake and not too tired from a long work day. And I had to just stand near the samples and as people were coming into the room, don't bring your coffee in here. No coffee. Go drink a glass of water and come back. Uh, and then just making sure doors and windows are closed to minimize as much smell and sound as possible, especially during those hot summer months. I know people want to have all the doors open, but you know, if a giant truck rolls up outside and you start getting diesel fumes in there, all of a sudden, you know, folks are going to be saying this is an off flavor in your beer and you want to isolate the samples that you're giving people as much as you possibly can. You can really find or make whatever time you can, uh, as long as it's often enough for repetition. For a very small brewery, this could just be twice a week practice and maybe monthly classes on introducing diacetyl or introducing oxidation. Uh, really, what it all comes down to is just making sure that you're never skipping it and making sure that you're setting the tone. A lot of folks attempt to start with attribute training, um, like you've talked about a little bit, but some, some experts will say definitely don't start with at attribute training. Do you have any advice on that? The biggest thing that I ask people to focus on straight away is true to brand. Do you know what your brand tastes like? What does it look like? What does it smell like? True to brand is just so important because this is the first step in troubleshooting any problem that you have. If my staff knows how to apply 15 different beautiful words describing fruity hop aromas. They can do all of that. 
but they don't know which ones are supposed to be in my flagship IPA, they're not going to be able to say go or no go on the beer that we're packaging or the beer that we're handing over to our customers. I would love for every employee to be able to taste a beer and say, this is not the beer it's supposed to be. Because that's the first step to figuring out any problem. Is it or is it not the correct thing? If it's not the correct thing, then start digging into that question. Well, what is it that makes it not our flagship IPA? Is it that the hop aromas are different? Is it that it tastes older? Is it that it's a different color than I'm used to it being? All of these things are issues that could show up. And as long as your staff are able to say, hey, this isn't right, you're already on your first step to making sure that imperfect products are not making it across your bar. I work in what, it, what I suppose would be classified as a brew pub. All of the beer is either consumed on-site or it's to-go in growlers or crowlers. There's no distribution, and I'm the only brewer. I don't need a sensory panel to release beer for packaging. I don't need a sensory panel for crash cooling releases. I do the force VDK test myself, which is incredibly valuable and easy. But there are a couple of things I do want out of a sensory panel. The first is that I want folk, the folks serving the beer to be able to talk confidently about what they taste rather than trying to regurgitate some sort of canned description that I give to them. The second is that I want some input as we're building those beer descriptions because let's say I don't get pineapple from one of my beers, but nine out of the 10 servers tasting it do. In that case, pineapple needs to be in that beer description. And I guess a third thing that I'd put in the nice to have bucket, which is sort of a safety net, ideally those bartenders and servers would be quick to alert me in the event that they accurately identified an off flavor, indicating maybe you know, draft line cleaning is overdue or some other problem has occurred. I was really excited after using Draft Lab for the first time during the Brewing Summit last summer. And I thought, hey, this is going to be great. All I have to do is um, get the staff to to put this app on their phone and I'll have them evaluate each beer as we release it and have them help me build the, the beer description. But I really failed to set that process up properly. There are too many distractions, and a lot of the tasters feel like it's a quiz, and they're supposed to be choosing uh, you know, some sort of correct answer. Some of them are insecure, and in some cases, just disinterested in the process. How do I fix that? There is so much about sensory that is so interpersonal, and we think of this as being a very scientific, very technical practice. But part of what I love about sensory is that we live in a world where we are trying to automate everything and we are trying to teach robots and computers how to do all the work for us. And in sensory, we're trying to do exactly the opposite of that. We're using the human instrument to measure the human experience. So I don't want to know what the pH is. I want to know how acidic does it taste to people drinking this beer, which is an entirely different question. 
And then when you're using the human instrument as your tool, you run into an issue where you have to figure out how to calibrate that tool. And that's a tough one because people not only have different tastes and different opinions, they also have feelings and motivation. And this is part of sensory that we don't talk about very much. So on one hand, I am always trying to remind people to drink some water if they just had coffee or food. Take some time before sensory to make sure that you know something like the lingering bitterness of coffee is not affecting what they're tasting. But also making sure folks know that they should be able to take a deep breath and relax and remember that even though they are sitting down and tasting a beer, sensory is part of their job, just like whatever task they're going to do when they're done. The time is set aside for them to do this work, develop skills, and give valuable feedback. This is something that is hard for a lot of craft beer and craft brewing employees because we are so interested in efficiency and getting everything done. So making sure that people are in the right mindset is a huge part of sensory. And I strongly suggest that people either give their staff a printed out reminder sheet at the beginning of every sensory session or make a point every once in a while to discuss this with the sensory team, whoever it is that you've invited into that room or up to that bar. Uh, Make sure they know how important this is to the brewery and for the, the quality of the final product. And make sure that people feel valued. So I always tell people that it doesn't matter if you are incorrect. You can be incorrect, but you can't be wrong. Because what people tell me about a beer is their experience of the beer. Maybe you're experiencing that this beer is too bitter. And everyone else on the team says it's not too bitter. That's okay. You didn't get it wrong. What you got and the experience that you had was different from the experience everyone else had. And the data that we're likely to use is the data from that majority. However, you still described your experience to me. And discussing this with your team members will help people to remain enthusiastic in the program. I had one staff member at a brewery who could not find diacetyl to save his life. He told me all the time that it was oxidized. I would ask people, is there an off flavor? What is it? Oxidized, oxidized, oxidized. And that's okay. I would have preferred that he identified that 
as diacetyl. And we talked about it and had the discussion about, okay, when you think that it's oxidized, let's talk about how we figure out if it's oxidized or if it's diacetyl. But I still got a bunch of really useful data from that. I know from that information that if that brewer is the only person on staff and they're the only person who did the VDK test and they pass it, that does not mean the test passes. I know that I should ask him to go find somebody else or go find a couple of people to taste the same sample and see what they think. And also, if I've been doing these tests with my staff on a regular basis, I can say, hey, go talk to this person, this person, and this person, because I know that they're great at picking out even low amounts of diacetyl. There's something like 7,000 breweries in the U.S. now, and my guess is that probably only 5 to 7% of them actually have enough brewery staff to run a statistically valid sensory panel. What, if anything, do you do differently if you're trying to build a program with a bunch of part-time bartenders and servers? One of the biggest mistakes I think someone can make with a sensory program is not opening the program up to as many people as possible. The more data points you have, the better. And also, people love being involved in sensory especially when they're not your production team. Someone, you know, is working your tasting room, they're a bartender, they should be looking at color and clarity and foam every time they're pouring a beer to make sure that they're pouring the correct beer and that the customer is getting a great product. But on top of that, inviting those folks to sensory is letting them know that you want to invest in their skill set, that you think they have an additional set of skills beyond being a great beer server. And people tend to really love that and feel appreciated. Something that I love to suggest, especially with bartending staff and front of house staff who maybe don't get to be involved in production. I like to see when they're doing really well at sensory and let them know because people love being told they're good at something. I know that sounds super obvious, but it's super important. People love being told they're good at something. And once they feel encouraged, they are more willing to put forth more effort to build those skills and do that work. So even if you have bartending staff that is only coming in once or twice a week, it's worth including those people on maybe an email list or something like that. Even if it's just a sign posted in the break room, here are beers that came out since your last shift. Please taste them. Write down what you think. And let people know when sensory happens and let people know that they're welcome. I had one team where folks were not required to show up for sensory, 
but they knew sensory was always at the same time every week. And often they would make the point to come in on their own just to build up that skill set and just for the fun of it. I think sometimes the, the romance and the excitement of, you know, I'm in production at a craft brewery, it certainly wears off for a lot of us sometimes. It's sweaty, exhausting, often smelly work. And sometimes we get tired of it. But a lot of people find that really, really fun. And so to keep those people involved and keep them in the loop, even if they don't show up every time, even if you maybe can't pull super useful insights from their feedback, it's still a great use of your time to make your employees feel better about working for you, to make them more excited about your product. And if those are the only employees you have, say, you know, like you're a one person, two person brewery. I would be shocked if you're a one person, two person brewery and you don't want feedback on your products. If your staff doesn't have significant training and you don't have the resources to offer that, you should at least be asking them, hey, do you like this beer? Why or why not? Because that feedback will be really useful for you in the long run. If you don't care if people like your beer or not, best of luck. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I also want to... One experience I will never forget is inviting someone to Sensory Panel who was the head of a marketing department. And she said, no, I shouldn't come to Sensory. I've, I'm not a beer taster. I'm not a big beer nerd. I don't know how to do this. I, I just shouldn't. And she came anyway because I made her. <laughs> and it turned out that she was by far the strongest taster we had on staff. She had the right mindset to slow down, to focus, uh, to really appreciate the sample in front of her without bringing in a lot of opinion. With it, uh, Rather than saying, this is too bitter, she would say, this is more bitter than I usually expect in this brand, which was wonderful and useful for us. Her vocabulary was just huge. And I ended up leaning on her quite often for product descriptions and uh, double checking those VDK tests because I knew her palate was super sharp. And I never would have found out that we had this diamond on staff if I hadn't said, hey, why doesn't the marketing team come this time? And so open it up to as many people as you can. You never know what you might find. That was Liz Pratt here on the Master Brewers Podcast. Liz is one of the many instructors brewers encountered during the MBAA Brewing and Malting Science course. Click the Education tab at mbaa.com to learn more. Did you know that Master Brewers now has a mobile app? 
CQ articles, podcasts, webinars, Ask the Brewmasters, and more, all in the same place. Search Master Brewers in the App Store to download it now. And then I fought on the ground Just like that one day, like everyone else did Countdown, I'm moving too fast And then I hit on the ground Just like that one day